It is indeed a, a privilege for us to be here to celebrate God's hand in our lives. And this morning, I have the, the esteemed honor and privilege of introducing our guest speaker. You know, for me, growing up in the kingdom, I had a few favorite preachers, if I may say. Uh, Sean being the very first of them, still is one on the top of the list. You know, I've heard guys like uh, Kirk Spencer come in, Tony Millett, Gary Arthur, you know, throughout the years, come and preach God's word. But one day I heard Sam preach. And I was like, wow, that guy can preach. And if you told me that how many years later I would be introducing Sam, I'll tell you, get out of here. You're kidding. But it's a, a serious privilege for me to be able to, to introduce Sam this morning. But I want to introduce also the Powells, if I may say, both Sam and Cynthia. Even though Cynthia is not going to be speaking this morning, I do want to share a little bit about them so that you guys are aware of who they are if you haven't heard. You know, Sam and Cynthia were both baptized as college students. Cynthia in the University of Florida and Sam North Carolina State, in, State University. Married for 36 years. They have two wonderful daughters who are also disciples of Jesus. And they currently serve as lead evangelist and women's ministry leader in the New York City Church of Christ. They served in this capacity for 30 years counting. You believe that? Wow, as long as this church is in existence, they've been in New York preaching the gospel. You know, Sam and Cynthia are known and respected throughout the brotherhood. They are renowned for their leadership, their faith, and their love for God. And Sam, to me, I, I, wanna, I, would, I wouldn't doubt it if he is probably on the top list of preachers who are sought throughout our kingdom, our brotherhood, to speak. But guess what? We have him here with us this morning. God has consistently used them to challenge and inspire the family of believers all over the world. And this morning, we add to their list Trinidad and Tobago. Let's give our hands together. Let's open our hearts wide for Sao Paulo. Nanina, I want to thank you for that uh, warm introduction, and I plan to take you everywhere I go to speak so you can, <laughs> you can introduce me. And uh, thanks to, to Merlene, thank you for the work that you guys are doing here. And it's amazing the way that God has worked using Sean and Robin uh, back in the day uh, to help move and build the church, and so thanks to Sean and Robin there. They're a part of the New York ministry now, but I know that they mean so much to you, and we're so proud of you guys and how you've allowed God to use you. Uh, and then uh, Brian and, and, and Michelle and Brian, who keeps getting kicked out of all the different countries that he <laughs> goes to. But, brother, we, we, we respect you guys so much and appreciate your courage and faithfulness and that you're still persevering in the Lord. Uh, it's great to be here in, in the Caribbean. It's one of our favorite places to, to visit, uh, especially during the winter months of New York. So thank you for having us. 
Today I want to take some time to uh, just talk about this theme, the hand of God. And we're going to examine how God's mighty hand delivered Israel from Egyptian captivity. And I pray that this morning there will be some lessons that you can learn as we see how God works so powerfully to deliver them out of slavery and to take them into the promised land. And so I'm going to read a little bit from Exodus chapter 3. Do we have a screen up there? We don't? Well, I'm going to go ahead and read anyway. All this new technology I'm, I'm thankful for, but if, if we don't have it, I'm, I'll be fine. Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to begin. In verse 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to, to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Mo at this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go! I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, a land flowing 
with milk and honey. And we'll stop right there. Now I want to make three quick points from the scripture. And prayerfully, they will apply to your life. And you can walk away encouraged today. If you want your life to be changed, you've come to the right place. Because the first thing I want us to know is that God, wherever we are, whatever we're going through, God knows our plight. God knows our struggles. God knows our challenges. He knows whatever hardships we're facing, whether they're emotional or physical or financial or even imagined. He knows what we're going through. Just as God knew what the Israelites were going through. And he says, I am here to rescue you. God wants us to help us overcome our challenges. God wants to lead us out of darkness into light. He wants to take us into the promised land, wherever we may find ourselves. You know, God said in Exodus 3 and verse 7, is this thing working yet? Let's see. No, 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 no help here. God said in Exodus 3 verse 7, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out. And I'm concerned about their suffering. That's the way God feels about you. If you're struggling as a disciple, God is concerned. If your children are not Christians, God is concerned. If you're single and your desire one day is to have a life partner, God is concerned. If you're overwhelmed by your sinful nature, God is concerned. I am here today, you are here today because God was concerned enough to send somebody into your life to rescue you. He never turns a deaf ear. He never takes his eyes off of you. He's always there. The Lord is always near. He loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Don't you ever let anybody tell you that God does not care about you. Because he does. Every last one of us, he cares about us. So much that he knows the number of hairs on our head. Whether they're our hairs or purchased hairs or decreasing hairs, God knows. He's concerned about you. 400 years. 400 years. Israel was in Egyptian captivity. And in Genesis 15, God had told Abraham that, look, my people are going to suffer in in, in Egyptian bondage, in slavery for 400 years. But you know, those 400 years as they struggled, God knew their anxieties. He knew their burdens. He knew their struggles. You know, have you ever wondered, where's God? Is he there? Does he hear my prayer? Does he hear my cry? Do you ever ask God, how long do I have to go through this? When are you going to come through, Lord? This person has been rescued. They've been delivered. When's my time going to come? You ever thought that? Well, I'm here to tell you, no matter how long, if you hang in there, God will come through. How long have you been in your present situation, enslaved to whatever it may be? God has a plan to set you free. God has a plan to set us free from sin. 
God has a plan. If, you're in, if you've been enslaved in an unhappy marriage, God can deliver you from that. You know, if your life has been aimless, no purpose, no direction, God hears your cry, and he is ready to set you free. See, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, he gives us the answer as to why God allows us to go through challenges. And as he was struggling in his journey, in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8, he said, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But he goes on and says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from a deadly peril, and he will continue to deliver us, for on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Why does God allow us to go through these struggles? So that we might not rely on ourselves, but on him who raises the dead. Gideon tried to, to take on the Midianite army with 30,000, and God said, you got too many, and he knocked it down to 300. You know, David goes to, 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 to fight Goliath, and Saul tries to give him his armor, and David said, I can't wear these, and God said, that's great, because you're going to defeat him with a, little, with, a, with a stone and a sling. That's God. Too often, we allow our circumstances to control us. Too often, believers lose, lose hope and abandon faith. Let me, hear, let me tell you this. There is never a, a, a right time or a justified time to give up on God. Never. Because God never gives up on you. Don't you ever walk away from God. There's no hope in that. And so he allows us to go through these things. So that we might not rely on ourselves, but on him. You know, just like you, the New York church, we've had our, our battles. We had our 2003, 2004. And we used to have 150 people on staff. And it went down to less than 50. That was not a good time. When you see all your friends walking away and no longer wanting to be in a full-time ministry. And so we started praying and asking God, God, can you? Can you rebuild the church? Can you help us out? You know, we need leadership. And so God started bringing people back. And I never made a phone call or never put an advertisement on Disciples Today. As a matter of fact, Sean and Robin, they, they ended up back in New York. They did not, I did not call them. He called me. He had another issue, and I said, if it don't work out, come on to New York. And that's exactly what happened. You know, Phil and, and, and Leslie Garrison, they wanted to come back to New York. I did not call them. They called me, and they're now leading the Brooklyn region. We have a couple leading the Bronx now, Maurice and Lauren Hooks. I did not come to call them. They called me and said, we would just want to come visit New York. And they came and visited. They thought they were coming just to hang out. Next thing you know, they were having a job interview. And now they've been in New York for two years. And last year, I didn't call them. Stephen Sushoff ended up leading the New Jersey region. And that's just God answering prayer. You see, he does answer. 
He doesn't always say when, but he always comes through. And I'm here to tell you this morning, whatever you're going through, God is aware of it. He's got a plan. But you've got to hang in there and trust God. Am I right, church? you got to trust him. you got to hold on. God knows your plight. Even sometimes your best friends don't understand. But the Bible says that we're to cast all our anxieties, not on your friends, not on your husband who does not get it, not on your wife, not on your children, not on your dog. You're to cast them on the Lord. He understands. Man is not the answer to our struggles. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on who? On him. On God. On Jesus. He hears you. He comes through. Our God, wherever you are, he knows your plight. He knows what you're going through and he does care. But my next point is simply this. God is full of might. God is full of might. God is powerful. Jesus is powerful. He is the image of the invisible God. By him all things were created. He conquered death. He's made everything visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, Jesus made them all. And he's in control of them all. The God that we serve and the God that we walk with is a powerful God. God said to to, to Moses he says I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him you see there are things that can only be done by the power of almighty God can only be done by God's hand We can't overcome evil except by the power of Almighty God. And God promises us that no temptation has seized us except what is common to man, that he is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you're tempted, he will provide a way out. God always provides a way out. We just got to take the way out. That's who our God is. We can't be saved and our sins forgiven except by the power of Almighty God. And the thing is, right now, if you decide to repent, God will forgive you. You don't have to talk to any man. You don't have to write any letter. You don't have to send any text. You just say, God, please forgive me. I repent. And right now, God will wash away your sins. Now, you do need to let us know that you want to be with us after you do that. It would be good for us to know. We can't build a church that is the light of the world except by the power of God's mighty hand. The New York church was not built by men. It was built by God. This 30-year anniversary, it's the hand of God. You're here by the grace and the mercy of God. Am I right? We can't build godly marriages except by the hand of God. You know, Cynthia and I, I appreciate the Nino trying to get it all right. But this wonderful, awesome woman in August would have been my wife for 38 years. Now, that's the hand of Almighty God. 
Because everybody in my family has gotten divorced at least once. And when I became a disciple, what I prayed for is that God would give me a great wife, and he did, and that I wouldn't mess it up. And by his grace, I've tried many times, but he has delivered me and rescued me. (laughs) But I'm still married to this wonderful woman these 38 years by God's almighty hand. And I respect her so much. She's not been a disciple 10 years, 20 years, or 40 years. She's been a disciple 45 years, still faithful in the Lord. That's by God's almighty hand. And if she can do it, you can do it, but you can only do it by God's almighty hand. You see, God is powerful God. He says in Exodus 5.22, he says, he goes on to say, well, I'll read the whole thing. Moses returned to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? He goes back. He tries to deliver the people. Things go sideways. Pharaoh then says, you need to make brick without straw. Go find your own straw. And he says, is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon his people, and you have not rescued your people at all. You know, sometimes things get a little worse before they get a little better. So when you first become a Christian, you're all fired up, and you think everybody's going to love the fact that you have left Satan and decided to follow God. And then you find out not everybody feels as fired up about it as you do. And you still got to hang in there. And in verse 1 of chapter 6, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of this country. It's by God's power and God's mighty hand. I'm here to tell you this morning that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Now, we hear this, but do you really believe it this morning? Because I see God delivering his people time and time again when they confide and trust and walk with him. God can come through for us if we will just continue to trust in him. God can take you out of whatever bondage you're in. And bring you into the promised land where he wants you to be if we believe in his power. The proverb writer says in Proverbs 21 verse 30, there is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. You know, I love to see God reviving things, restoring things. That's what God's done with our campus ministry. He's revived it. He's restored it. I mean, because it got down to nothing. And God, over time, has just worked to rebuild it. And last year, our students saw 55 campus people brought to Christ. I mean, we went from just barely making it to now this ministry is thriving. Already this year, they've baptized almost 30. I mean, they are doing phenomenal things. But if it can happen in campus, it can happen with the singles. If it can happen in campus, it can happen with the married adults who are the most mature and spiritual of the whole group. Am I right? At least we should be, right? But I'm here to tell you that God can, God, he has the power. He's a mighty God. 
never give up on your God. He comes through. The challenge for us is waiting. We don't like to wait. You know, I was sharing a scripture with the, the, the single, something out with the singles yesterday, where Jesus says, asking it will be given to you, right? Seeking you will find, am I right? Knocking, what will happen? The door will be open. But he doesn't say when. And that's where we get messed up. We're like, I want it now. And it says, no. You know, we've got people who've been singles and married after 30, 35 years in the faith. God answered their prayer. He just didn't tell them when. And so he, he comes through according to his will. And so we have to continue to trust in his mighty power. My last point is simply this. God, he is, he does know our plight. God is full of might. But God will win our fight. You know, when David approached Goliath, a teenager facing a 10-foot giant, says all those gathered here, he said, all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. That's what, that's what David said. He said the Lord will come through. And really, when we're in a, a battle, the Lord is the one who wins the victory. We're just his instruments who he works through. And so the, the, the Israelites... They had forgotten that lesson, okay? I mean, there were things that they needed to learn, that God is the one who wins the battle. God is the one who fights the fight. And so in Exodus 14, here they find themselves right there before the Red Sea. And they look around, and here comes Pharaoh's army. And it's the army and the sea. What do you do? Well, this is what they did. As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, now, they, they are not at a good place spiritually. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to die in this desert to die? What have you done by bringing us up out of Egypt? See, they wanted to go back, and sometimes that's what we do. We think, well, when I was not in the Lord, it was, it was so good. You have lost your mind. You've lost your mind. It was not all that you thought it was. And sometimes we just lose perspective. He says, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. It is never better to be outside of Christ. Never. It's never better to not be connected with God. Satan will offer you the world, but it's never better. Then Moses jumps up and says, do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And then he says, the Lord will fight for you. And I love that. But then the next statement he makes, he meant well. But it wasn't true. You need only to be still. That's what he said. Now he was right. The Lord will fight for you. 
But you got to do more than just be still. And you know what God went on and said to Moses? Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry land. See, God will deliver us. God will fight our fight. But you have to do something too. You can't just sit there saying, when's the Lord going to come through? If If you need a job, you can't just sit home in front of the computer. Lord, where's my job? Expecting it to come through the screen. If, if, you, if you hope to get married one day, you just can't sit home going, Lord, waiting for my husband to come knock on my door. It's not going to happen like that on my wife. You got to go on a date. You, you got you to spy out the land. Am I right? If you want better health, you can't sit home saying, where's the doctor? You got to go see the doctor. If you want to get in shape, you can't. What you going to do? Just stay. Well, I'm just waiting. No, you got, you got to work. You got to, You have to do something. And see, what God is saying is, I will work with you. But you got to move too. You got to be willing to, to put forth some effort. And God will match that effort. He will do even more than we could ever ask or imagine. But we've got to put forth the effort ourselves. You know, Cynthia and I, we've been praying for our family. And we're still praying for them. We've been praying for God to help family members become Christians because we don't know how much longer we're going to be here. And you know, you you don't when you go to heaven, you want all your family members to be there, right? I mean, if you're a parent, you want all your children to be there. I mean, even if they've been knuckleheads every day of this life, you're like, Lord, I still want them to go to heaven. And so this this past fall, we went down to my hometown, a little place called Wilmington, North Carolina, and I asked. Talked to the preacher there, a little church, about 30 members. I preached. Ten family members came out to church with us. And we were fired up in the Lord. And my brother and his wife, I have a, a younger brother. Uh, he, he's, I have a sister, really her name's Cynthia, and then my brother, John. And he and his wife, Tori, they start coming out to church. And, and then they start studying the Bible. And then this year, he got baptized into Christ. Now, here's the thing. God made it happen because I've been a Christian. I got baptized in 1975. So I've been a Christian 44 years waiting for God to come through with a family member. And I, like I told you before, you don't know when, but you can't give up because God came through. And not only that, three weeks later, his wife was baptized in the Christ. And so we're still praying even for more family members to come. But God fought that fight. You know, I talked to him the other day. He is so fired up in the Lord. And it's great to have, you know, a fellow brother truly be a brother in Christ. See, the Lord asked the Israelites, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. God will help us win the battle to build great marriages. If we will allow people into our lives to help us, God will help us win the battle to raise obedient children. If we will listen to his word and obey his word and let other people help us, God will help us to win the battle.
to win a fruitful church, to make this church even greater, if every member will do their part to make a difference. God will help us to win the battle and overcome sin and temptation. But you must flee Satan. Obey God's word and do what you know is right. God will help us to win the battle, to be faithful and to get to heaven if we observe all that he's commanded us to obey. If we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength, God will help us. Cynthia and I, we've been fighting this battle for over 40 years. I have no regrets. God has been so good to us. And though we've had our ups and downs, I'm telling you, right now, at 63 years of age, it's never been better than what it is right now. Because our God, our God, our God is a great God. He is a God who knows everything I'm going through. And I've been through a lot. Even the last few weeks with crazy Christians. Lord, help me. I'm in this meeting. I don't even want to be in with these people. Oh, Lord, they're supposed to be your people. They're supposed to be Christians. They're not acting like Christians and they're after me. He knows my plight. And he helps me be like Jesus. God, my God, he's full of might. I've seen him do amazing things. And sometimes we miss the miracles because we're so caught up in ourselves. I've seen him bring people who were lost back. I've seen him save people I never thought would be saved. My God's a good God. He's full of might and then he will. He will win the fight. He will help you. He loves you. He knows you. He's with you. You need to trust him. You leave here today and you make sure you take God with you. And if nobody else does it, you make sure the Lord God is your God. Don't you be here for people. Don't you be here for, for all the, 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 the ambiance. You make sure you're here for God. You take God with you. I'm challenging the church here to believe in God and he will give you the victory and to him be the glory.